Hello there, you're listening to the Box Office Show. I'm Ryan Hill, and I'm not joined by Dylan Johnson right now, uh, but if you're not, he will be later on in the episode, and it's a little bit interesting what we're doing here, giving you a peek behind the curtain. What the bulk of this episode will be is going to be the last half hour of what we recorded in our previous episode, which was on Black Widow and Loki. In the last segment of that episode, when we were talking about the movie of the week, which, spoiler, is Goodwill Hunting, we got sidetracked and then got sidetracked some more and then got even more sidetracked. So we had a lot of digressions, but that unstructured little conversation we had, we thought was still really fun and interesting to listen to, so we decided to slice it off. Um, since that Loki Black Widow episode was already sizable enough and make it its own standalone little episode where you'll get to hear not only our thoughts on Goodwill Hunting, but you'll get to hear other things like Dylan's top 10 movies of all time. We talk about our ranking schemes, how we sort of come to grips with what our favorite movies end up being, and he gives us the top 10 for him and I get to try my hand at guessing a few of them. So you'll get to hear that. You'll also get to hear, get a glimpse of our upcoming episodes that some movies and TV shows, right? And our discussion about our favorite things we've seen and come across. There's a lot of things that we're burning to talk about. So that's a little sneak peek at our upcoming slate. And yeah, you'll just get to hear a lot of uh, a lot of digressions, but it's still some fun conversation, we thought. So look forward to that. But first, we have some news in our box office breakdown. So without any further ado, the news that I'm really excited to talk about is related to Dune, which is my most anticipated movie of this year. I'm wondering if I may have to shuffle around my own little ongoing, newly forming list of favorite movies for this one, because I'm really hoping it's going to be incredible. And I had the privilege of going to the Dune IMAX preview that they had at the Altamont Mall on that past Wednesday. And let me tell you something. It got me even more excited. The hype is going insane, but I need to wrangle it in. Can't get my expectations too high because you never want to be disappointed, but I don't know if it's even possible to be disappointed when you look at the creative force that is behind this film, Denis Villeneuve, and then all the star-studded cast members, the special effects look absolutely insane. I was in the IMAX theater, got to see the first 10 minutes of this film, and they threw an additional eight minutes of just some other scene where they're coming across the sandworm for the first time and it devours a harvester and it is immaculate it's amazing the surround sound the sound design that the imax theaters have of course are unparalleled and so it, it was a true experience a cinematic experience being in there seeing that they also had some sort of interviews talking heads with some of the cast members and Denis Villeneuve and then also Hans Zimmer because he is scoring this film and you know whenever he scores a film it's going to be an event so I just cannot express enough good things about this film I really can't wait to see it I'm definitely going to see it in an IMAX theater it demands it it's insane to me that it's going to be offered on HBO Max and I I really I'm sorry for the person who is going to have their first look at this film be on their little television screen instead of on a massive silver screen with that theater experience. Because the scale of this thing, I mean, it truly does feel like a full-on event. I'm also kind of terrified because the it's not exactly your four-quadrant family film. It's a bit of a cerebral movie, right? It's hard sci-fi, so I'm wondering what appeal that has to the general audience. If you notice in 
if you recall our box office draft episode, Dune was not a big point of discussion there. And sadly, I think it's because it's not going to run away with any box office records. And I'm really, really, really hoping that it's not going to end up being a flop. This thing has a $165 million budget. I really hope it's able to make that back in theaters. I don't know what the streaming numbers will do, how that will influence whether or not they go ahead with the sequel. But when I was in that preview, the title card said Dune Part 1. So the plan is definitely to split that first book into two movies. That's the only way Denis Villeneuve saw it happening. He needed to give it the time to breathe. He couldn't cram it into one film. It would lose too much of the substance. And I hope that we get to see his vision in its entirety. So please, this is my my pleading to you to go watch it. Watch it again. Take your friends. Take your family. Just go see this in theaters if you're comfortable with that. Because please, we need more films that are like this. And they're just pure passion projects, but are also amazing examples and expressions of all the different elements of filmmaking from in front of the camera to behind the camera, all the special effects, all the post-production work. It just looks like so much expertise has gone into this, so much passion has gone into it. I really hope that it connects with the audience. I know that it will connect for me based on the first 18-ish minutes that I was able to watch of this. Also go watch the Dune trailer if you want. It's just amazing. Can't say enough good things about it. I'm really excited for that in October. It's coming out October 22nd. So look forward to that. Put that on your calendar. In other news, Dwayne Johnson, who has a movie coming out later this week, we'll talk a bit about that. He seemed to hint at the fact that he may not be in any future Fast and Furious, at least mainline movies with Vin Diesel, which... If you aren't aware of their feud, it's pretty hilarious. You should go read up on it. But they're not the best of friends. They have a little bit of a professional rivalry going on. And apparently Vin Diesel was mentioning that he had to give some tough love to Dwayne Johnson in order to get his performance to be where he wanted it to be, where Vin Diesel wanted it to be. And in response to that, Dwayne Johnson has said he laughed it off and everyone he knows laughed it off. So some shade being thrown. Um, and then it seems that he, he had said he doesn't think he'll appear in Fast 10 or Fast 11 or however many other films they make without him. So it seems like, at least for the uh, near future, anytime you see Dwayne Johnson in a Fast and Furious movie, it will be one of those spinoffs or at least a film that doesn't have Vin Diesel in it, which is... Interesting, because it seems like that franchise is winding down, and you would think they'd want to end it off with all the best things coming together. And certainly, as you recall from what we talked about in our Fast and Furious episode, one of the best things about it is Dwayne The Rock Johnson. In other news, Leslie Grace, who was Nina in the film In the Heights, it was essentially her breakout role, I think. It was one of her first uh, major roles and she has just been cast as Batgirl in the new movie that uh, Warner Brothers and DC are making which I think right now it's expected to land on HBO Max exclusively which that's uh, another milestone in the streaming wars where we're going to start getting comic book movies straight to the streaming services good for Leslie Grace I'm I'm more excited about it given that it's going to be an HBO Max thing because I'm hoping that'll at least let them do a story that they don't feel like okay this has to check all the boxes and get everyone in the theaters like it seems like they're not going to be as worried about that trying to just like make back their money as they are about trying to get something that will pique people's interest and get them to the streaming service itself and have it be a nice little notch in their belt going forward. Um, and then it could potentially spawn its own little franchise there on HBO Max. So good for her. I really liked her in In the Heights. So I hope that this project turns out well for her and then also for DC. Because, man, you always got to gotta hope that they're 
getting better and better, but they always seem to disappoint in that regard. And finally, Jordan Peele has dropped not a trailer, but just a poster for his upcoming film, which is expected in July, I think 22nd, 2022. It has Daniel Kaluuya, Kiki Palmer, and Steven Yeun. Oscar-nominated Steven Yeun, recent Oscar winner Daniel Kaluuya. And of course, he had worked with Daniel Kaluuya before on Get Out, um, which won Jordan Peele the Oscar. So a lot of extreme talent coming to this film, which is called Nope, but a better title may have been uh, Ya. Dylan, that's when you put in the laugh track, like what Bo Burnham did in Inside. <laughs> now for the box office breakdown for July 23rd to the 25th this past weekend, we had two new films. Dylan and I last week thought Snake Eyes was going to come out on top. It did not. We have a big flop on our hands. The M. Night Shyamalan movie Old took the top spot with 16 million, and Snake Eyes came in second with 13.3 million. Very poor performance for Snake Eyes. Uh, Old sort of landed around where we were expecting it to fall, but Snake Eyes definitely fell short of our expectations, and I think certainly for expectations of Henry Golding. So that's rough for them and for the G.I. Joe franchise. Seems like this may be something that Paramount uh, turns into one of their streaming properties instead of a uh, main theater attraction. Black Widow comes in third with 11.6 million. It has grossed 154 million domestically, and it's up to 315 million worldwide. And that is still without China because it has not been released or given a release date in China yet. So we'll see if that ever comes to pass. But it would certainly be helpful for their uh, box office numbers in order for that uh, to happen. Otherwise, I don't know, with it being on Disney Plus, they may get hit with a lot of piracy there if it takes way too long. So we'll see how that develops. And then also if, I mean, that may be uh, a little foreboding for Shang-Chi and maybe the Eternals later this year, if China is not going to allow certain Marvel films to get released. I'm not sure why they wouldn't, but that's a possibility. Space Jam 2 comes in fourth in its second weekend. It lost its crown, only grossed 9.5 million. That's a 69% drop, which again is pretty on par for these big front-loaded openings that we've seen. The second weekend is a hard drop, but it still is able to cross 50 million domestically, and it's on the verge of 100 million. Probably next week it will hit 100 million worldwide. F9 is coming in fifth with 4.7 million. It is still holding on to its spot as the number one domestic movie so far with 164 million. And worldwide, it is the number one Hollywood film, 621 million, but it's still far off from Hi Mom, the Chinese flick, which has over 800 million worldwide. Although, obviously, most of that came from China. We have Escape Room, Tournament of Champions with 3.4 million. Boss Baby 2, 2.7 million. The Forever Purge, 2.3 million. A Quiet Place 2 in its ninth weekend, and it's now on premium video on demand, still holding on to the top 10 with 1.2 million. And Roadrunner, the Anthony Bourdain film, has 830,000 dollars from this past weekend. Looking ahead to this upcoming weekend, we have another uh, slew of films that are getting released and one major one, one crucial one for me, because it is the first film that is in my box office draft to be released to debut. It is Jungle Cruise. Emily Blunt, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, they're starring in this Disney flick based on the ride, of course, Jungle Cruise. It is sadly, for me, very sadly, being released on Disney Plus and Premier Access. We saw with Black Widow, like they did get a sizable portion. Disney released numbers on that. And the only time they'll ever release streaming numbers is when something good happens. They didn't do it for the second weekend, which 
you know, it's a little alarming for them uh, in terms of Black Widow. But sadly for me, it doesn't matter how well it does on Disney Plus, it is not counting towards the box office total. I need people to be in the theater. And I don't know with this Delta variant spiking up, the fact that it's not, I mean, it is like a big adventure film with big stars attached to it, but it doesn't have that quality that something like Pirates of the Caribbean had way back when it debuted. So I am, I don't know, my prospects for this one are, they're not great. They're not what I thought it would be. When I first selected it, it wasn't announced that it was going to be on uh, the premiere access for Disney+. Plus. So hopefully that doesn't ruin me. Hopefully this will have some good legs. It'll gross a lot over the coming summer because it's a nice little family affair. Hopefully worldwide, Dwayne Johnson's appeal will get a lot of people to go see it. As for the prediction for the opening, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to manifest something positive happening. I think the general consensus is somewhere around like mid 20 million, uh, 25-ish million. I'm going to say 35 to 40 million because I want that to happen. I want it to get at least a sizable opening, at least something over Space Jam and over Godzilla vs. Kong. That's what I need to happen for this to do well for me, um, or at least not sink me. So here's open to that. The Green Knight, which stars Deb Patel, is also coming out as is Stillwater, which stars Matt Damon, which is sort of based on that Amanda Knox case. These films, I think, are going to get sub 10 million. I'm not quite sure where exactly they're going to fall because The Green Knight, it's an A24 film. I don't think it's going to have general audience appeal, but it does look like a very good film. So that, I think, will be the best thing going for it, possibly word of mouth, but that usually comes in in the following weeks as opposed to the opening weekend. So let's say a healthy seven, eight million for that. And Stillwater, I really can't tell because it's one of those films, I mean, has Matt Damon. It's, it's a somewhat interesting uh, concept based on something that we're all familiar with, but it doesn't look very good. <laughs> like I've seen the trailers and I'm not, my interest has not been piqued. I'm not itching to go see it. So I'm not sure how many other people are going to way out to the theaters and see it on its first weekend. I don't think, like I said, it won't break double digits, but I can't really say if it'll, I'd expect it should get 5 million. I mean, on name recognition alone and whatnot, but I, I don't know. I can't tell if it'll come out after Green Knight, uh, if it would come on top of that or fall below. But we will bring you the results of this upcoming weekend's box office next week. And hopefully it'll be good news for me and for Jungle Cruise and Disney and The Rock. Not that they need good news, but I would very much appreciate some good news. Um, and now it is time to listen to our discussion of Goodwill Hunting and all the many, many various digressions that followed suit. Enjoy. Quickly, our movie of the week is Goodwill Hunting. It stars Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Robin Williams, Minnie Driver, Stellan Skarsgård, and Casey Affleck. And it was directed by Gus Van Zandt, who also made Milk, When We Rise, and a bunch of the Red Hot Chili Peppers music videos. And there were some Oscar wins for Damon and Affleck, who wrote the script, and for Williams for his supporting role. Uh, I picked this one just because we were talking about the last duel earlier. And of course, that is another script penned by Damon and Affleck, and it's starring them as well. What do you think of Good Will Hunting? Let me get your perspective first. I absolutely love Good Will Hunting. I think it's such a good film. I think it's great. I think there are parts that I really, really love. But there's also, like, there are some, this one key moment that people love that, that they think is great that I'm not the biggest fan of. And it's when Ben Affleck is talking about Damon, and he's like, the best part of my day is the 10 <laughs> seconds from when I pull up to the curb to when I get to your door, because I think maybe I'll get up there and I'll knock on the door and you won't be there. 
And it's like, I get the intention and I get the, the heart behind that speech, but like, objectively, what a shitty thing to say. Like, the best part of my day is hoping you won't be there when I knock. The best part of my day is when I get to your house and fuck, I hope you're not there. <laughs> I mean, like you said, you know what the intention is. I know, I know. Hoping he goes just, off and lives his life that he should be living because he's far better than what he's currently doing. But then it has, that, it has that funny moment at the end where Matt Damon is gone and Ben Affleck walks up and he knocks on the door and he goes, that son of a bitch. <laughs> and he like walks away. He has like one of those moments. He's like, he finally did it. And I'm not the biggest fan, but I love the scene where, where he gets the girl's number. He's like, hey, do you like apples? I like them apples. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love that. Has it against the window. Yeah, I love that. From the yeah, and every, every single scene with Robin Williams in it is incredible. Oh, like Robin Williams is a tour de force in this movie. A thousand percent. I actually agree with you with that particular line. Like when you put this in here, I was like, that's kind of a, of all the things to pull. That one was the one you went for, but I'm glad that you mentioned that you weren't the biggest fan of it because again the sentiment is good mm. but the way you it's phrase not, it i think it's not so my weird. favorite line like wouldn't you i don't know maybe that's their dynamic but wouldn't you want there to be like a whole going away thing or being like hey yeah. at least no goodbye. goodbye no yeah. nothing i just want you gone yeah like at least i mean you wrote a letter to robin williams you're not gonna give nothing to your boys i mean dang so right. that also for me wasn't the strongest bit but the rest of it i love so much like you mentioned there's just so many amazing scenes and every single one of them with Robin Williams, for sure. The talk they have at the park where he's explaining to him, like, oh, you're probably smart about a lot of this different stuff, but you haven't lived some things. Like, you can tell me all about love. You can quote all the mm -hmm. great philosophers and whatnot, but you you haven't felt it. You haven't been there. You haven't done that. Like, that mm -hmm. I thought was amazing. And then also the directing of it, like, we start on Robin Williams and then slowly we're pulling out and then Matt Damon is in the frame. And so we see like, oh, this message is reaching him. Um, mm -hmm. Like little things like that, I think are amazing. The the scene in the bar where Matt Damon was tearing a new one for that Harvard kid. And then mm -hmm. Casey Affleck just goes like, my boy's wicked smart. I love that <laughs> line so much. <laughs> um, that one's amazing. The, the, let's see, what was the other one? Oh my gosh, the one where he tells... Robin Williams' character tells Matt Damon about um, his wife and meeting his wife. And they're mm -hmm. talking about that one World Series game with the Red Sox in it. Yeah, I believe it was the Red Sox in it because it's Boston. So he's telling him about the tickets that he had to that game. And Matt Damon's freaking out about it because that's sort of one of the big connections that he's able to have with Will is through sports, through baseball particularly. Mm -hmm. and so he's all pumped about it. They're reminiscing over this game. He's like, so you were there? And Robin Williams like, no, I was at the bar talking to my wife. Um, and Matt Damon just couldn't believe it. But Robin Williams like, yeah, wouldn't change a thing. I mean, that was that was everything for me. Mm. Uh, that thing was great. The part where he talks about his, like the small little things that he knows about his wife that no one else knows. Like mm. when she farted in the bed or something like that, like woke herself up. <laughs> He's like, I couldn't, I didn't have the heart to tell her. That's just so funny. Probably the fact that it was so improv good. as well it was even funnier. And the the scene, it gives me every time. The scene where he's finally, I mean, spoiler warning for everyone, because definitely go watch it because you need to experience the film. But the absolute highlight of it is... It's not your fault. Yeah, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's like, I know. It's not your it's fault. Not your fault. I, I do that. I, I do it to Alexa all the time. I'll just start doing it. Like, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. And Alexa will be like, "It's not you. It's not you, man. Don't do this to me. <laughs> not you, man." It's great. Yeah, that bit is just incredible. It's so. And then they hug there, and he finally lets it all go, sobbing into the shoulder of Robin Williams. It's a great film. Mm -hmm. I truly think it's fantastic. Like, it's one of those ones that always stick with me, and I don't know where exactly it falls in my ranking of movies, but I know it's certainly up there. Mm -hmm. Like, it's top 30 for sure, and I am wondering how close it is to top 10, because I think it's close. You gotta... I mean, I have a ranking, and I think you should make one too, just for fun, but at the end of the day, it's not really, like, a definitive ranking. 
it's not really real just because i know there's tons of movies that i just forget that i watch that i love that are definitely higher than some of the other movies on my list and i'm always it's always constantly changing and moving around and it's just more for fun than actual seriousness but i mean i did a fun thing where i found my favorite i had my list of like 26 favorite movies and then i found my favorite shots in each of those movies and i had them printed out and i have them all on my wall now as part of my room redecoration so that was that was fun to do yeah but it's really there's just nothing there's just no way i could actually come up with a definitive list like something that i could publish and say like this is my favorite list of movies one to 100 definitively like there's no way because there's so many so many i haven't seen so many i have seen that i've forgotten so many that i'm just not thinking of at the time that it's just there's no way i could come up with a list but i definitely have favorites and unfavorites and there's no way i could actually come up with an actual ranking and say this movie is one position better than this movie and whatnot but i think it's still fun to have that list just to look at and be like this is my inspiration this is the list that i like of movies that i think are great and just to have just to look at so i recommend doing it okay i mean i do have like i know the general like i have a general Mm-hmm. understanding of what's in the top 10 like i know for sure certain ones that are in the top 10 is your favorite like, one lion still king, lion king sure. it's just so it. good it's incredible and i mean is that's your, one i've always loved is that still your favorite though yeah okay just making i sure. think it always probably will be i believe you like there's just something because now it has the whole nostalgic factor with it mm-hmm. um again i mean all the songs that are in it are incredible i the story itself like we talked about before when i saw the live action lion king like the only reason why I had any enjoyment watching that is because the story of the Lion King is so good. Mm-hmm. That he was able to at parts overshadow the <laughs> what they did with the rest of it. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I certainly know like ones that are up there, like Lion King, it's so, now, stuff like that. But it's Good interesting Will is up there for sure. It's interesting that you make that your favorite because I know Alexa's top three movies are all animated movies, and I know your top movie is an animated movie. And can you guess? The only movie in my top 26 that's an animated movie. Can you guess what it is? Is it a Pixar film? No. Is it Spirited Away? No. Okay. It's Fantastic that... Mr. Fox. Oh, really? Yeah, it okay, is. that makes sense, yeah. I love that movie. It's so good. It's probably Wes Anderson's best movie. I, I would you. say it is. But no, like, kids, quote-unquote, kids animated movie? There should be, and I just haven't really thought about it or added them. But there should be because I love Toy Story and I love a lot of the Studio Ghibli movies. And I love Spider-Verse and all kinds of different animated movies. But I guess I just don't think about it. And so I don't really add it to the list. I just know Fantastic Mr. Fox is definitely like the cream of the crop. Definitely like above par for an animated movie. This is so mind-blowingly good. Gotcha. Yeah, it's fun talking about the best movies or our, at least our favorite movies that we have. Mm-hmm. And Goodwill Hunting, I'm sure if you watch it, you may have to reconsider your list of some of your favorites because it's Maybe. very, very good. It's probably top 100, but who knows what else is top 100, you know? I am There's no way I'll get to that. <laughs> Should do that. Your top 250. I mean, that's what, like, I, again, just for gags, I have a thing of songs where I just did, like, I'm the top 250 songs. And I'll just throw whenever you hear a good song or think of one i'll just, just throw it in there throw yeah. it in there and it's a random list because yeah. there's still like at least 100 spots i haven't filled mm-hmm. um but anytime that happens i'll just throw it there and obviously the rank will fluctuate because it's not exactly. like a hard rank but you do know like there's certain classes of songs where you're like this is just an all-time undying banger versus something that like for mm-hmm. a time you enjoy it but then yeah. you're like yeah i mean it's all right, after the way time. I've done it, because the way I do it, it would get hard to do after like 250s. The way I do it is I, if I watch a movie that I really, 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 really like, and I thought it could be a top 20, 25, 26, 30 movie, is I start at the bottom. I say, is it better than this movie? Or do I like it more than this movie? Is it yes? Then it goes up one. And I just keep doing that until I find the movie that I don't think I like more than it, and I stick it right under that one. Gotcha. So that's a, And if I do 250 of those, I mean, <laughs> it's just going to take forever. But there's I mean, definitely movies on here that like are probably a little outdated. Like I still have Steve Jobs on my wall right now, and mean? I have That's not Steve Jobs. Yeah, I do love Steve Jobs. 
but I just feel like it's too high for because I just feel like I'm just forgetting a bunch of movies and it should definitely be lower on the list. But I just have nothing else on the list. That's why I'm saying if you create like, yeah, not necessarily ranking all of them, but mm-hmm. something like a top 250 where you just throw down as you think of them, any mm-hmm. movie that's good or that you really enjoyed, then you're able to over time come up with that more accurate list. Yeah. But wait, t- what's your top? Yeah, you got to. My top 10 is solid. My top 10 is solid. Give us three of your top 10. Three of my top 10s. Any three? Yeah. I'll All right. I'll rank them by what I think they are on your list. All right. Brokeback Mountain. Where do you think that is? Wow, you really love Brokeback Mountain. I really do. Is that a recent addition to the thing? It is. Yeah. Within the last three months. Uh, because of recency bias, I think it may be high. I'm going to go four. Number nope. four out of your... Oh. It's nine. Oh, it's nine? Okay. Yeah. Nine. What about Back to the Future? Back to the Future. It's in my top ten. Um, let's go with six. It is six. Nice. Incredible. <laughs> All right, let me do a hard one. Um, Twelve Angry Men. Oh, you really like that movie, though. I That's like love a, Twelve a Angry Men. Very solid movie, and I think like the enjoyment factor of it, but then also the element of the artistry appreciating yeah the artistry of it i feel like you would have it higher but i'm not sure it may be one of those things where you have other favorite films that you enjoy watching more and so joy and your men might be on the bottom of the list i'm not sure i think maybe you sort of throw this in to throw me a bit i'm gonna go eight it's five (sighs) i did put a high my top 10 going down starting at number 10 is godfather brokeback mountain do the right thing wolf of wall street back to the future 12 angry men raiders of the lost ark parasite star wars goodfellas wow so goodfellas is still goodfellas will always be number one there's there's just nothing i can do to change that you love to see we have wolf of wall street i think is the only film we share in our entire top 10 yeah you love wolf of wall street Oh my, I love Wolf of Wall Street. That's such a surprise. You're going to have to like... such a surprise to me. Bro, it's one of those films that it's three hours long. And the first time I watched it, it felt like an absolute breeze. It's one of the only films that... It is absolutely... so long, but it felt just It's so so, easy to watch. Yeah. And also, I mean, come on. You know I love that one scene of Matthew McConaughey and Leonardo Uh DiCaprio. Uh Uh, 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 uh. (laughs) that one is incredible again i just think a lot of the actors in there are phenomenal Mm -hmm. it's so engaging the whole way through i love it's not a single boring moment it's just it's incredible top tier so yeah that one has been in my top 10 for the longest time Mm -hmm. when we were at the screenwriting club meeting like during the first time i think i said they're like oh what's your favorite film and i said wolf of wall street really yeah Mm. Because at that point, I was still like, oh, are you allowed to like put Lion King? No, Lion King. You can put whatever animal. you want. You but can, you can say I was Lion like, King. Wolf of Wall Street is, was definitely like probably number two at that time and probably still floating around the top five. Like, I'll have to see. I it still, again soon, I do feel, I yeah, I do feel pretty basic having Goodfellas as my number one, but I can't help myself. It's just so good. Nah, I mean, that's a film that spoke to you. It's, it's incredible. And it truly is a phenomenal film. Like, just because it gets talked about a lot in film circles. Does it's just mean it's the first movie I ever watched where I just like noticed the filmmaking and appreciated the filmmaking. And I was like, this is mind blowing. This is incredible. The way they're telling the story over decades, the the voiceover, the structure, the the filmmaking aspect of it that Scorsese is doing is just mind blowing. We've digressed yet again. Wait, wait, wait. But one final digression. So you yeah. said Star Wars. Are you talking about Empire Strikes Back or Star Wars? Were- Star Wars, A New Hope. And Empire Strikes Back is 22. 22 it should probably be lower too it was disappointing the last time i watched it's still good but it was disappointing i think you need to watch it one more time just so that way now that you have tempered expectations you can go back and maybe but a new hope a new hope is still better it is still better it is new hope is incredible i don't know i'll have to see where i end up ranking those because i do like there is something so special about the original star wars Mm -hmm. like it is just absolute lightning in a bottle there Mm. Um, but then again, those things that Empire Strikes Back does, yeah, but phenomenal as well. I don't know why though you were saying like it was such a letdown because Carrie Fisher has five lines in the whole goddamn movie. <laughs> she doesn't say anything. She's barely there, and her whole character is just 
is just being Harrison Ford's love interest. Like, what a disappointment to do with that character. And then on top of that, I don't know. So the structure the of it. Thing? That's, also... that's a small part of it. The big part of it is, like, the structure felt a little weird going through it. I don't know. There's just a whole section where they're stuck on the rock. The, the Millennium Falcon is stuck on the rock, and it turns out it's the worm. And it's like, you spend way too long doing that. And I want to spend more time with Luke on Dagobah, and you're not spending enough time there. It's just strange. Interesting. We'll have to. We'll save that for the. It's still amazing. Let me Star say this episode, but Empire yeah. Strikes Back is still incredible. Like it is still number twenty-two on my top list. It is just not as good as the first one. The first one is solid, all the way through. Number two on your list. I mean, that is right. Number yeah. two. Yeah. Yeah. Number two. Even above Parasite, which is saying a lot. Okay, I'll revise. Well, I don't know which Star Wars movie I'll put there, but there is certainly a Star Wars movie I think that would be in my top ten. Yeah, I believe it is one of those like that's one of the things Mm -hmm. that really dug me into storytelling. Like I would spend so many days just thinking of like different stories in that world, like imagining myself being in that world, um, which again really flexed my early storytelling muscles. So that will Mm -hmm. always, I think, have a special place. Like there's a couple movies in my top list. Like a bunch of them are there because I appreciate them as films and I really love them and I enjoy them. But there's a couple in there that are just there because they are such great tour de forces of storytelling and it is just a huge nostalgia factor like Star Wars, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Back to the Future, uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Like they're in there because that is my childhood and they're such good stories. And I feel like Toy Story would also be a part of that list. And I feel like I should put Toy Story on this list somewhere because Toy Story is incredible. Yeah, I think for that as well, because Toy Story 3 in particular, I think is my favorite of the Toy Stories. That mm-hmm. also has to be really high, like top 30 as well. Because again, just not even from the, like when you do think of it from the filmmaking standpoint, you can find these additional things that justify like, oh, this is why it is such a great movie to have there. But the emotional experience I had in the theater, I mean, that's just something that can't it be is replaced yeah. or taken away. Like it was, I was about to sob in there. I mean, I, I was know. definitely tears were being shed when, I holding hands. I mean, it's just so incredible. I rewatched that movie when I was 16 and I still cried. Like, it is the movie that will make me cry if I watch it right now. I will probably still cry. But Toy Story 1, it's just the first movie I ever remember seeing. It is such, because I remember I watched it a lot as a kid. And then I maybe last time I watched it was right before Toy Story 3. And Toy Story 4 was coming out a couple years ago and I rewatched it. And my God, dude, the nostalgia. Just going back to when I was four years old, that far back, like being able to be transported that far back was incredible. Like it was like an out of body experience watching this movie because I just I have not I had not seen anything from when I was that young in so long like that. And maybe A Bug's Life took me way, way back. Monsters Inc. does a little bit, but I watch Monsters Inc. more often. When was, than, than so Toy the Story. first time you watched it was what? Like, do you remember the first time you watched Toy Story? I remember being a kid and we had the VHS copy because it came out before I was born and my brother watched it probably in theaters when he was a baby, but we had the VHS copy and we would watch Toy Story 1 and Toy Story 2 when I was like four or five and we would just watch them a lot. That it was that SpongeBob um, Land Before Time. Oh my God. I love the Land Before Time. I know, right? I Um, still have multiple, I think, VHS tapes of Land Before Time stuff. We have all the VHSs still somewhere upstairs in my dad's house. Like, they're just there. And I need to find them. I can't do anything with them, but I want to have them. We used to watch those. I remember being a kid and watching the Pink Panther animated series. And then Garfield and Friends. We had DVDs of that from Blockbuster that we stole. Garfield and Friends is incredible, by the way. There's I need to find it because it's got to be on YouTube. But there's an episode where, do you know, Good Vibrations by Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch? Yeah. Garfield does a parody of Good Vibrations where he raps to the beat of Good Vibrations. And I always thought that that was just the original <laughs> for the longest time. And then I heard Good Vibrations by Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. And I was like, where have I where have I heard this before? I, I know this from somewhere. And it's from Garfield and Friends. Blows my mind. That's just, and that reminds me of like Chicken Little, it, the moment where it does the Spice Girl song, <laughs> Tell Me What You Want. <laughs> like that is, I think, everyone in our generation's first exposure to that song. 
and for me i still always i'm always thinking of that little karaoke session <laughs> that they're doing the duck i forget what her name is but that's kind of like um what is it uh i need a hero in shrek 2 oh yeah true anytime you hear that song even though it came out in like the 80s anytime you'll hear that song for someone in our generation it's it's thinking of shrek 2 because it's such an incredible sequence just yeah. the nostalgia brings me back and i love it i love that feeling of watching something that i hadn't seen since i was like three or four and just being taken back to that time that i can barely remember now i know it's, it's just a strange feeling fun also being able to like when i was watching the first season of avatar the last airbender which again at some point stay tuned we will do an avatar the last airbender show yes three parts most certainly um but when i was watching over that because i watched it when it came out yeah like i was six or seven years old watching mm -hmm. that thing as it was coming out yeah. and that was also another just really significant experience for me in terms of becoming a creative storytelling person mm -hmm. but that it was insane being able to like get pieces of my memories flooding back to me of oh i know exactly what's about to happen in this next scene i remember exactly how i felt when i first watched it mm -hmm. there's certainly some moments where i'm like i don't remember that at all but certain scenes and episodes i just remember distinctly and i haven't even like haven't gone through the second season or third season yet because i want to hold off for us to get to our show but mm -hmm. there's moments of that where i remember distinctly things that happened like ang and katara the tunnel episode that has secret tunnel yeah <laughs> secret tunnel that has always been just burned in my brain yeah like, i remember that. that entire episode and then of mm -hmm. course the ending of it um so things like that it's just amazing being able to like you said go back and watch some of those stuff yeah i've and been rewatching old spongebob episodes with alexa and it is still hilarious like the first three seasons impeccable humor like i've never seen anything so incredibly creative and hilarious to be a kid's show right like the the episode where it's the employee training video amazing <laughs> completely perfect in every way possible absolutely hilarious like had me on the floor laughing like i've never laughed that hard at anything recently because nothing is that funny anymore nothing is that creative and good it's so incredible yeah like i will i will find the first three seasons of spongebob and buy them on dvd so that i can show them to my children because they're just that incredible whenever i have children in 10 15 years 15 Maybe i mean sooner than that well think about it i mean you have to have the late. kids we have to have the kids oh, and they just, have to grow up to the point where they can understand and laugh at spongebob yeah, so i think 15 years makes sense in 15 years yeah I remember because my dad would always watch SpongeBob with me and he would always laugh more than I did. And my dad, I mean, he laughs a lot of things. I mean, that's one of my favorite things about him is yeah. he always like just finds things funny. And he would always be cracking up nonstop during those SpongeBob episodes. And he would always be like, and I was a kid at that point and I was still amused by it. But he would always be like, this is such a good show. I hope you really understand. Like, this is golden stuff. And yeah, so I want to go incredible. back and watch it now that I have. It's all on Prime my current sensibilities it is the, all of it on prime like the first three seasons at the very least the first three seasons are on prime i think all of it is on prime but who watches anything past season three because it was the first three seasons and then they made the movie and then it went downhill right the movie i still also distinctly remember the movie, the movie. is nice I, I watch it all the time i've seen that one more than the show a lot because i just love the movie so much it is an absolute classic also another one of those things where our introduction to david hasselhoff is through spongebob <laughs> none of us got You're the right. Baywatch joke back then. <laughs> nobody got it not a single person i was i remember being in the theater and being like who is this person and my mom is dying laughing and saying that's david hasselhoff and i'm like i don't even know who this person is right is his his, his man <laughs> pecs separating yeah. who comes up with this it's genius it's i love so the funny. behind the scene this behind the scenes sets photo where it's just a giant david hasselhoff body that they had to animate on incredible and alec baldwin is dennis the the hunter and Scarlett Johansson is Mindy the Mermaid. And like, I don't know any of this at the time I'm watching it, but then I look it up later. I'm just blown away that they had such famous people on here. That's what I'm saying. Like in retrospect, so much of it gets so much better. The fact that they got, they thought of that idea with David Hasselhoff and then said, okay, now someone reach out to him. And then he agreed. <laughs> it's so fun. God. Such a good movie. I'm going to, I might watch that today. I love that movie. I still, I have it on DVD. It makes me so happy.
Yeah, we need to so revisit that good. soon in the SpongeBob stuff. The show is incredible. Just the episodes are just so beyond funny. The jellyfishing episode where he says, firmly grasp it. Classic, of course. Classic. What's your favorite episode of it? It's so hard to pick. I think Band Geeks is a great episode. I was about to say it. That that is one. A, we watched that one recently, too, and that is phenomenal. It's that, the Krusty Krab training video, the pizza delivery episode. Krusty Krab pizza? Is the pizza for you yeah, and Krusty Krab? Krab! Who comes up with this stuff? <laughs> it's so funny. The the chocolate episode. Um, oh, just class. Oh, Eternal I know what my favorite season. is. My favorite is Rock Bottom. When Rock they're bottom, when they, they, wait, is this describe it to me? Is it the one with the vans and then the deep dark thing? Yes, Talk about it. yes. exactly. It's that episode. <laughs> they go to Glove average. World. Is it on that, their, that one? Yeah, after they're done having fun at Glove World, they go and take the bus, and the bus takes them to Rock Bottom, and SpongeBob gets stuck there, and he's just like trying to get out, and it's just it's just it's peak humor because it's just you're putting a character in a situation they don't want to be in, and they can't get out of it. And it's watching them struggle to get out of it. And it's just hilarious. It's so simple. It's so simple, but it is absolutely hilarious. And the punchline is fantastic. Now they all communicate by going and doing that the whole time. And at the very end, the guy has the balloon on his hand. And he's like, thank you. And then and then the guy goes, you're welcome. And that's just, it, it's perfect. It is so good. Yeah. That again also just flooded back to me, like the him going to the vending machine and trying to run back for the bus. Yeah, oh my god, it's so good. And he's like trying to reach for the candy bar and the bus revs every time he reaches for it. It's it's so funny. Uh highly recommend SpongeBob. I think that anybody. is so funny that that's one of the most formative experiences of our generation and especially affecting our humor as well. It defined like, a lot of my humor. Dirty Dan, oh, I'm Dirty Dan. <laughs> that's also a classic. Episode. Who are you calling Pinhead? It's just so good. I think, yeah, that Bang Geeks episode is my number one. But all of those you just mentioned are so good. I do want to go back. It's just it. so, because I remember I was looking through Amazon Prime to like pick an episode and I'm just going through and saying, thinking like, these are all just such good episode. All the ones with Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy are so <laughs> incredible. <laughs> lemons. Every villain is lemons. Evil. <laughs> Didn't you drop an evil early in the show? I might have. God, this is such so well written, so creative, so funny. And it's kid friendly. Like it's so hard to get away with that. To create a kid friendly, a kid oriented show that is just hilarious in general. I know. It really it's is mind blowing. Steven Hillenberg, right? That was yeah. his name. Rest my favorite thing is that rooms. he was a marine biology major. His intention with SpongeBob was that he wanted to teach people about the ocean. And I will say I do have a deeper appreciation for the ocean after watching SpongeBob, but I know nothing about the ocean. I know nothing about like you've got you've got sponges and starfishes lifting and weights squirrels. with lobsters <laughs> and squirrels underwater. I'm learning nothing about the ocean, but I definitely appreciate it more. And that's what's important. And I also had a good ass time. For real. Man, what a great show. Absolutely great classic. Show. That's for the top 10 TV show list. Absolutely. It's up there with BoJack and Breaking Bad. Yeah, I was, for whatever reason, I was, oh, because Nicole Hollis Center has a cameo in BoJack Horseman, and I was trying to find what it was because I was trying to figure out how to pronounce her name correctly, and I couldn't find it. But then I was just watching the videos of every celebrity cameo in BoJack Horseman, mm -hmm. and that also brought me back to the time where watching that show it is very good like it's incredible they also one of the videos though had sarah lynn as a side character mm -hmm. or they were like ranking the side characters and they had sarah lynn as one of them and then yeah. aquafina 16 as the other and they ranked them the same even though aquafina 16 is hilarious but i mean sarah lynn was get that fetus kill that fetus <laughs> get that fetus kill that fetus <laughs> so crucial to the show brah, brah, pew, pew. although that so of course good. is <laughs> amazing it's so humorous but yeah that one i don't know that's just what i thought was funny and also the thing about like getting transported back to the memories i also always associate bojack with my firehouse sub sandwich which was a roast beef with bacon and honey mustard and deli mustard and of course the mayo and stuff on there but 
I always distinctly remember that taste because I would always come home from Firehouse with my sub and then watch BoJack Horseman. And that underwater episode of BoJack Horseman is also fantastic. Like that one. Uh, I don't hold the. Yeah, I think it was so good. I don't hold it as high in regard as a lot of other people do. I think it's great, but it's not my favorite by far. It's one of my favorites. It's definitely good. We can talk about that more in that BoJack show as well. We need to have a BoJack show. And a Spongebob show. Let's be honest here. Oh, snap. We could we could do a whole episode on Spongebob. I will binge watch the first three seasons in the movie and then talk all day about Spongebob. Yeah, we just talk about those ones. <laughs> we'll each rank our top five episodes. What a great That'd idea. That'd be fun. And then also, yeah, do that for BoJack. And of course, the the Breaking Bad thing, which that's my top of the TV shows. It's got to be Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad is my favorite TV show. West Wing, the first say. four seasons of Game of Thrones and the 10th episode and 9th episode of the 6th. I wish I could say The Sopranos so is up there, but it's really only a couple episodes. It's like, The Sopranos for me was a good TV show. It was fun. It was interesting. But there's like three or four episodes. And they're the best epi- things I've ever seen on TV. They're so unbelievably incredible. Really? Because there's like one episode each season where either Tony Soprano is exhausted or he's sick or something. And he just has like a dream sequence for the entire episode. And it's incredible. It's amazing. It's like surrealist and it's brilliant. And it's just hilarious. There's times where it's just funny. Are you ever going to watch Sopranos? Oh yeah. Don't spoil okay, it. Then I won't spoil it. No. There, there's a, a, he has a dream sequence in season three and there's a moment in it and it's absolutely hilarious. It's so incredibly done. Actually, I think it's season two, but it's just so funny. Very well done. Anyway, I think we're done digressing. I think we've <laughs> wasted enough time. I think this should be its own mini episode. Make That's this one next week. Our little we unstructured, unstructured digression talk about random favorite movies and lists. Yeah. That's all the time we have. If you would like to give your thoughts on the show or make a suggestion for the movie of the week, you can email us at theboxofficeshow at gmail.com. Our main title theme for the show is Sundown by Joseph McDade. Be sure to listen to next week whenever we post our next episode. You can follow us on Spotify or anywhere you can do podcasts. Have a great day.